So, hey, Storm Freaks, it's Phil, and we have arrived at the summit of Mount Washington. We're here at the Mount Washington Observatory with Reed Timmer, Janice Dean, and the staff here at the Mount Washington Observatory. We are celebrating episode 200 Woo! of the Storm Front Freaks. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. All right, welcome to the most entertaining show. This is Stormfront Freaks Live, and this is episode 200. Woo! As I said earlier, celebrating at the Mount Washington Observatory. Um, we are looking forward to an amazing show, but I want to start off by recognizing some great partners that we've had with the show now for some time, and, and they've been big partners for us getting ready for this episode 200. Uh, first off, the AMS Weather Band. You can join the American Meteorological Society and their weather band. You can connect with thousands of weather enthusiasts and professionals for just $12 a year. While you're at it, you can also take part in their Jamposium, which is February 29th and March 1st. They're going to be discussing topics like citizen science uh, and the upcoming April total solar eclipse that's going to be happening uh, here across the U.S. You can get started at amsweatherband.org. Uh, another big fan of ours uh, and, and big partners, Drive Weather app. You can get ahead of the schedule and get ahead of the storm with the Drive Weather app. You can plan your route, stay safe, and conquer the road with confidence. Don't let bad weather surprise you. Download the Drive Weather app now. You know what's cool, guys, is that was created using AI, created that uh, plug. Wow. Paxton put that together. That was cool. Um, <laughs> another huge partner of ours, and, and all of these are on our 200th episode uh, logo and sweatshirt and T-shirts that we've got. Um, they're all down at the bottom if you're watching video. Uh, they're kind of all down here, which is cool. But Midland Radio uh, is, is they're a great group of people that we're working with. Everyone needs multiple ways to get life-saving warnings, and nothing's faster than NOAA Weather Radio. Midland Radio is proud to salute the Weather Ready Nation ambassadors of Stormfront Freaks on their 200th outstanding show. Uh, and last is Windstorm Products. Uh, th these are, are, within the last year or so, a great, great group of people, a great uh, company that puts out some, uh, what are they taught? They, hurricane uh, this, hardware. It's, yep. it's hurricane hardware, but they do free shipping uh, or $5 shipping across the entire U.S., no matter what you get. But one of the most important things you can do as a homeowner uh, is ensure your home is properly protected from storms. From hurricane hardware to shutter installation tools, uh, our friends at Windstorm Products are here to help you weather the storm. Shop windstormproducts.com and now would be a good time to do that before it gets too late and we get into the uh, tropical storm season. Uh, we also want to thank our Patreon members uh, who we love. What a great team of of folks that have helped support us here over the last few years. I'm actually gonna read them off. Dan Wallace, uh, who's in our green room right now. Timothy Veltman, Joe Mays, Steve Collier, Garrett Beverly is also in our green room. Uh, Angela Krager, who's actually yeah. here. She, she won our uh, Patreon contest to join us for this experience. Yeah. Uh, Jenny Hagen, Gene Schaefer, Jamie Lambert, Al Mason, Lauren Lucas, 
Alec Esno, Stacy Fincher, Jeremy Bauer, Grant Landy, Liam Gray, Chris Johnson, Jennifer Grand, and Steve Holmes. What a list. Um, wow. yeah. You can also join our team as well. You can get access to our exclusive Facebook group that we've been posting uh, here during our 200th and our, our stay here at the Mount Washington Observatory. And we also have 50 of our past guests uh, on there as well. We've got a number of tiers, including some with exclusive merchandise. Uh, some of them will be getting our 200th episode uh, T-shirt, uh, logo T-shirt. And you can help support our show for as little as $5 a month. You can get all those details at stormfrontfreaks.com. Now, if you happen to be new to the show, uh, welcome. But one of the things we like to do uh, for all 200 episodes that we've done is we like to let everyone know, we like to have a little fun. Right? <laughs> We're not a totally sciencey podcast, right? We, we we like to talk about weather and storms, but we also don't take ourselves too seriously. So one of the best ways to introduce that and introduce our co-hosts and let you know who's here tonight is to find out what they're drinking. And so we're going to go around and find out uh, from our co-hosts what's going on. Serena Arnold, uh, our meteorologist and author, I'm going to start with you. What are you drinking? Yeah, uh, we're drinking something super special tonight to commemorate our 200th episode. Post and Beam Brewing Company out of Peterborough, New Hampshire, made us our own beer. Woo! Wow! Awesome. Yeah, so cool. Bill, I don't know if you could show the can, yes. but uh, we they, they were so helpful when we came to them and said, hey, we've got this 200th, we want to have a special beer for it. They were so excited to help. So Post and Beam made Frosted Stormfront Freaks. It's a German Pilsner just for us. It's got the Mount Washington Observatory, 200 Stormfront Freaks logo on it. And that, sir, is what I am drinking. Woo! And right it's it's Rocky delicious. Mountain Cold, right? We put, it out, <laughs> we put it outside in the wind for about an hour. <laughs> right. uh, Dina Knightley, our meteorologist and weather producer at weather.com. Dina, what are you drinking? I'm drinking the same beer. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. I really like it. Like I kind of like these pilsners and the light beers, so I'm I'm really enjoying it. Perfect. All right, Jen Watson, on camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel. Jen. I mean, is it water? Is it a hot chocolate? Or is it the beer? <laughs> it's the oh, beer, beer, guys. Jen's actually drinking. Yeah, I'm beer. drinking, and everyone was witness to me last night having tequila too. Okay. I took a picture of it. Yeah, so there's photo of it, and it's delicious. The beer is wonderful, guys. All right, Brady Harris, our meteorologist, Brady, uh, and and. Well, it's going to be more of the same for me, drinking <laughs> beer, but you know what, I'm a big German guy. German beer is kind of my go-to, and uh, Serena, you hit this one on the head. I mean, yeah, German, excellent like job. German beer is the best, right? I think it's unequivocally the best. Yes. All right, Greg Johnson, our storm chaser and, and uh, photographer, what, what are you drinking? Uh, you guys are all insane. It's minus 45 wind chill, almost 100 mile per hour. I'm having a coffee. Because <laughs> I'm going outside immediately after this uh, uh, podcast is done and experiencing some of that 100 mile per hour winds. So are we. Yeah. Nice. Well, Safe. are you going to be able to, Jen, if you have two beers? Let's let's get into the meat of the show, Serena. I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce our first two guests. Yeah, absolutely. So we are here live at the Mount Washington Observatory, and we have two of the observatory staff with us. We have Charlie Peachy, weather observer and research and IT specialist, up here, and we have Jay Broccolo, who is the director of weather operations. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. We've had such a good time up here with you so far. Uh, I want to go right out of the gates. 
Tell me your best memory of being here at the Mount Washington Observatory. Charlie, we're going to have you go first, followed by Jay. Well, I think it would have to be my first sunset here and my first night when I started back in August. It was truly one of the best sunsets I've seen still to date, and it's going to be probably one of the best I see ever with the beautiful undercast and a few clouds passing over the summit. So that's What's an undercast? Oh, an undercast is pretty unique to the observatory. So most people are used to the overcast where you get most of the clouds covering the sky. Well, here we get the clouds covering the ground. So that's that's called an undercast so here. Cool. <laughs> so you're literally above the clouds. Yes, yeah. Sometimes we're the only location in New Hampshire above the clouds, it seems like. It's pretty cool. So you're in Cloud City and the Haas system. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, Jay. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'd have to say being up in the tower during like a, a it was really heavy glaze icing um, and it was quite windy. And there's this like rogue freak gust that came and it's 147 miles an hour. Oh, wow. And it pinned me against the, the wind vane post. Um, so I couldn't move. So like it was uh, kind of scary, um, which I'm sure many of you have experienced. Um, you know, the wind is like getting sucked out of your lungs. Um, what so, time of year was that? Uh, it was like the end of March, early April, which wow. was oh, wow. like, okay. wow. Oh my God. It was just like, it was so much moisture, but like a lot of times, you know, like you either get like a wind storm or you get like a precipitation storm, but this is like just so much precipitation, freezing rain, so much glaze light. I think we were measuring like nine to 10 inches of glaze light an hour. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Like freeze you in place, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you can't move. Yeah. There's some pictures of like, I'd be outside for like three minutes and I'd like just move and like ice would crack off. Oh my like, God. Yeah. And you're frozen in carbonite. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you're all over. Okay, so we have to put into perspective 147 mile an hour winds. If you were to skydive and free fall, you fall at about 120 ballpark miles per hour. Yeah. That's faster wind speed than you would free fall skydiving. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of pressure. I mean, like, I felt it in my chest. You know, it's pulling the. I mean, you know, you stick your head outside the window when you're driving and it's hard to breathe. And this is like. Almost twice that speed. So wow. tell our, 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 tell our, I'm not even drinking. Tell the <laughs> audience why you're outside in that. Like you're obviously doing a job. What yeah. job is it you're performing in those conditions? Yeah. So for that, I was the night observer. And uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, mm -hmm. uh, for the night observer, they're the only ones awake. During that You're time, stuck by yourself, pinned against the tower. Yeah, so oh like we have, we have like a, we have an alarm. So like if you missed an observation and like say 15 minutes goes by, like the alarm will go off and wake people up. I like that. Uh, oh, that's good. It's a good service. Yeah, um, but also, uh, yeah, a lot of those times when you have those types of events, you like preemptively wake someone up. You're like, hey, I need your help tonight. Did you yeah. do that? Yeah, I did. Wow. Um, <laughs> because those types of events you're de-icing like every 15 20 minutes oh yeah, um, so yeah so that night? uh i mean not quite as much glaze icing as we've got <laughs> um but yeah we forecasted i think for winds like uh going up to 140 so wow. i mean you know we verified with the winds but we had a lot more precipitation than we forecasted i mean there's just so much latent heat being released from the system. So, so Jay, we got to experience it today, the de-icing, but maybe those people that are listening don't really know, like you're literally taking a sledgehammer, a big mallet and smashing ice off of the instrumentation. Yeah. yeah. 
It's a very scientific way of de yeah. <laughs> It's got to be uh, cathartic to be able yeah. to just like let out all of the. Oh, yeah. You come inside, you're on an adrenaline rush by the time you're inside. And you're trying to write in the really small boxes in the weather report, and your hand's shaking. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely is a fun challenge when you're outside in those winds. You get a little bit of everything, stuff you wouldn't expect. So what what is like a typical, and maybe, you know, Jay, you can answer first, and then Charlie. What's like a typical shift for you guys, right? Maybe a night shift or a day shift. Like, what do you guys actually do? Like, I'm sure people are watching this and like, you know, we get the sensors, we get everything, but like, what do you, what like, what's the normal schedule for you guys? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's different as like the director of like the yeah. summit and the weather operations yeah. and our research. Um, but up here on the summit, like, I'll just say it's the night observer. Mm -hmm. You know, the first like couple hours, you really spend that time like having dinner, mm -hmm. like doing your first couple observations, doing that like 7 p.m. synoptic, sending all that six hourly data the National Weather Service, uh, but then you immediately get into check. So you start checking the whole day's like weather data to make sure it's, you know, accurate and <clears throat> precise and all that, which takes a couple hours. And then usually I start like, you know, looking at my statistical outputs for like any upcoming forecast, just so, you know, to help prepare, get my, yeah. all my paper ready. But that whole time, you know, you're just every 45 minutes, you're going outside, <laughs> like dressing, undressing. Um, and then, you know, your forecast takes, I mean, it usually takes us like two, three hours, probably because we have to get up during it like yeah. two or three times. So it breaks our concentration for a while. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of music that gets yeah. listened to. Louder at night during the day. So you guys have to go out every 45 minutes to basically de-ice all of the sensors. I mean, it's like every hour, yeah. Um, but it, it, yeah, I mean, we, we go out like 45 past the hour. Yeah um you know all all day long all night long regardless of the way except for lightning do you rotate um, who works the night shift uh no well we do only on a shift by shift basis so like the night observer is the night observer um and you know from my past experience on oil rigs too it's like it's just it's really difficult to like swap from day to night night to day yeah. so like once you get in that night routine it's you know that's your that that's your shift um, but the night observers do always get first option of like a day position when one opens up. So <laughs> they do get the option. Fair. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when you are uh, actually out doing the observations, has there been an experience other than being pinned? But is there is there a specific thing that happens uh, that is sort of like becomes normal that it happens all the time? Probably like frost nip. Yeah, that or dodging the ice as you de-ice it. Yeah. Like it from the wind? Yeah, because the wind's usually blowing into you. So when you de-ice, all the ice on the far side of you is going to start blowing into you. And then you have to either dodge it or you're getting hit by some ice. Wait, what's frost nip? It's like not frostbite. Okay. But like, you know, when your skin's okay. really burning. And oh, like, my God, I had that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or at least that was observed by humans. Yeah, uh, observed by humans. Yeah, that one in Australia during that, like, uh, yeah, the hurricane typhoon. Yeah. Non-convective, right? Yeah. yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. But, yeah, you want to... Talk about, like, the topography a little bit. Yeah, so there's three um, specific things about Mount Washington that give us the extreme weather. One is we're a big bullseye on the map for the storm patterns and uh, storm tracks that happen here. So we just get a lot more than most parts of the country. Yeah. Um, the second is the way the mountain's oriented with some of the other presidential ranges. So when some of that low-level air is starting to flow at kind of the surface, it's actually going to get funneled by those mountains okay. into kind of right around the Mount Washington area, and then it's going to get funneled over the summit. 
So you're getting all those winds kind of funneled into one area, increasing. And then also when you're doing that, you're increasing the wind speeds due to Bernoulli's principle as you're uh, increasing wind increasing wind speed over a small distance. Wow, that's amazing. So how many, so we have that recorded wind gust by a human, but what are some of the other big moments that have happened here over Mount Washington? Like weather? Well, I just, it's funny cause like I, I think of it extreme and you know, like when I'm home or talking to my parents or you know, any friends or you know, partners, like it's, it's just, I don't think, you can quite understand unless you experience, yeah. but up here, I mean, last, uh, last year in February, um, there was that 47 degree below temperature. Yeah. Yeah. And the winds, you know, just crossed over a hundred miles an hour, but the wind chill dropped to like, you know, well below a hundred. It was 109 below. I think oh, this is the record. Yeah. I think you're going to get some frost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, what's a typical day here? Like in terms of like, you know, average wind speed or like, well, if you wake up and winds are about in the winter, if you wake up and winds are about 60 miles per hour, I'm pretty excited. Cause I mean, it's going to be an easy to get easy day to go out and de-ice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's when you're not having to battle the winds when you're like hitting the mallet. It's not like blowing to the side. You're trying to swing it forward. Oh my God. So the 60 miles per hour is kind of a nice day. And then you start getting up to 80, 90. That's when you, Start getting a little more hairy when you go de-ice, and that's kind of almost more the typical day every two or three days, and then in between you get those 50 or 60 mile per hour gusts. Well, we just had a 93, right? Yeah. 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 Nice. yeah we'll have to I see. Should, yeah. Should reach 40 or 40 to the official forecast, right, Jay? What are you predicting tonight? Yeah. So I, I always try to go just a little, like slightly over, just to mainly for like recreationists because I, I just want them to be prepared yeah, um yeah. but i forecasted 100 tonight and we're at 93 so Woo! yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i mean there's always a chance so i've got a question from uh jared who's in our green room it says how many days in a row do they work junior rovers yeah so uh we work wednesday to wednesday so i came up in this shift uh last wednesday and then i'll be going home next wednesday and then we get that next week off until the wednesday after so you technically work eight days and get about six days off oh wow. that's not too that's bad awesome. yeah it's pretty nice it's, it's nice to travel 12 hours though your 12 hour shifts right yeah it can be i kind of like just getting all my work done in one day so it's nice having your one shift and then just being done with your day so for some people i could see why it'd be tough but i enjoy kind of the getting all your work done in one time and then having your week off to enjoy and do your own thing if there's a huge storm coming do you refuse to leave <laughs> <laughs> i mean i wish i could but i don't think you'd allow that <laughs> you, you know you might want to try it though because uh when i was an observer mm -hmm. i often asked that same question and I was like, I'll hike up. Like, I'll, I'll go up with someone else. Like, I just want to be there. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, honestly, like, why our staff is so great. And I mean, a lot of people in weather, you just, you know, you're just you're so enamored with the weather. Um, that yeah, everyone just wants to be up here and experience yeah. it. So much like you, we love storm chasing, but we're at a place where the storms chase us. So we just have to stay. Yeah. yeah, we save the gas money. So have you ever lost power up here? Oh, yeah. I mean, it happens pretty regularly. So, I mean, it, it was uh, the summit has traditionally been powered by generator okay. um, with a lot of kerosene because there's uh, other entities up here, you yeah. know, other communication devices up here. Um, but in the past 20 years, they put a power line up the cog. Okay. So we are on grid power. But we lose power, especially in the winter, at least, I don't know, every two weeks, every week or once. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, and, you know, they have to coordinate with 
all these different, you know, media companies be like, hey, like we're going to swap power because it drops them for a second. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of an ordeal. And when it happens really late at night, like the alarms go off. So everyone is, you know, wakes up. Yeah. And so, the, you know, the observers are always like, oh, the alarm's going off. I mean, we're on battery backup here, so we don't really necessarily always notice it other than like the click off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's another cool thing about being up here. It's like really team effort because like yeah. you really you work with State Park yeah. in a lot of senses uh, and they help us out in a lot of senses as, as well. So. Yeah, it's a very communal experience. You all share the same home, live together for a week, so you all kind of are family. Meals. Yes, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. Talk about the volunteers. So what is it like? Like, what do you have to do to be a volunteer? So, uh, yeah, so <laughs> we actually have, like, a trial period. For- <laughs> 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 awesome. um, and that's mainly just because when you do come up in the winter, like, you're up here for the eight days. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, you, you're not coming down. Um, so we need to make sure that, you know, you can handle that, um, because it is like emotionally taxing to be away from your family and, uh, you know, in this golf ball Mm -hmm. or inside of a (laughs) ping pong ball all the time. Um, so yeah, during the summertime, uh, you know, you just apply. Uh, I think there's like, at one point we had like a one, like a two year waiting list. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so we're creeping back up to like a year now after COVID. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they come in the in the summer. They work down in the museum. Uh, they cook and clean for us. A lot of them really love to go hiking too, which is why yeah. most of them are up here. They go hiking when they're in the museum or cooking us dinner. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. That's so cool. So you guys obviously have a, a, a great social life when you're not working. I know you guys like to play video games <laughs> and, I'm, and i'm just wondering if you did either of you win the mario kart tournament that we had this <laughs> no did you no and i lost to, 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 to brady yeah, yeah observers took three out of the four, four right? so yeah, oh yeah, Alexis the night of the oh, yeah. She crushed me in the finals. It was bad. Yeah. It was a beat down. Yeah, so, she usually yeah. wins in our shift. It's a pretty good battle, but it's, it's usually Alexis or I. <laughs> All right, so uh, so our one of our co-hosts, Maz, who is in the green room, one question he's got that I'll ask you about, Charlie. What's the coldest it's been inside? You were talking about losing power. Mm. Uh, what's the coldest question. you've had to deal with? Coming out of the cold and still maybe coming in. Yeah, so it gets cold in here, but doesn't really get much colder than about 60 degrees. Um, for me, since I grew up in New England, I don't really have an issue with it. But the other day observer I work with is from Florida, so she's oh, constantly whoa. in snow pants and fully geared up. <laughs> um, so for her, it's cold. For me, it's not too bad. Depends on who you are. And then his other question, I'm, I'm going to ask uh, Jay on this, because we already talked about this. Ever have any moments from The Shining? Oh my God! Oh. Why are we talking about this? Oh <laughs> I, I refuse to watch yeah. that movie up here, and it, and people do put it on. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that hike. They'll do like a presidential traverse at night. I mean, I've walked outside the observation deck, and someone was like, right next to where I walk out, <laughs> or. I have never seen anything. People say it does, but I think like after working three years of nights, I would have seen yeah. something, and I've yeah. never seen. It must I don't be know, the like, noises of the wind, right? Because you hear it. 
Yeah, you hear it. I mean, like the the building itself like contracts yeah. as it gets colder. Yeah. Like the the pressure differences force the water in the pipes to slosh around. Even like the elevator switches. So like this is kind of okay. So this is a shining moment. <laughs> so like I've been going out to get the preset pan at like one two o'clock in the morning, and then all of a sudden the elevator just opens up. Yeah. And then like closes and goes down, and I'm just like, uh, I didn't see that. And you're here alone for that? Yeah. He's the only one awake. Yeah. Charlie, yeah. oh. oh you mentioned something earlier, like when you hear these pops. Yes. And it blew my mind. So tell me what it was. Yeah. So uh, when it gets really cold in here, usually below zero degrees, the rebar in the building actually snaps, and it kind of sounds like a really muffled gunshot or dropping a rock on a really fat lake. And <laughs> it's a pretty loud noise and it's pretty distinctive. And if you don't know what it is, you kind of get rattled by the first time you hear it. It was unnerving. Wow. Yes. Yeah. When I heard that, I was like, yeah. Eventually it just becomes background noise. So one of the things I think that we haven't hit on yet that we really should is talk about the observatory and how it's a nonprofit organization and why that's really important. Yeah, I mean, uh, so we have a contract with the National Weather Service, uh, but being a nonprofit and member supported, uh, we have like a wide base of members uh, that obviously have a membership that give them some benefits, but they're all weather lovers too. Uh, so, you know, they just want to support us. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we're really here to increase the awareness of all the recreationists. So, you know, that's a lot of where, like, our nonprofit comes. We're just trying to, like, share knowledge with kids, uh, you know, just getting them aware of the climate and, like, what the weather is and, like, how it affects them. I mean, when, when we give tours, I always ask the question, and I was like, I always ask them, uh, you know, is there any kind of industry that you can think of that's not affected by weather? And I was like, don't answer me right now, because whatever you say is not right. Like, just think about it. I was like, think about it for a little and like literally no one has come up anything come up with anything so it's just it's so pervasive in everyone's lives and you know i don't know how many guys like how many people do you see that probably just like never look up at the clouds or like the stars you know what i mean so it, for us we're, we're really just trying to inform people and also just keep people safe so if yeah. they want to support what, what you guys do, they can go to the yeah, website? Yeah, they can go to our website at mountwashington.org, uh, M-O-U-N-T. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, you know, a lot, there's all sorts of links there for resources and also, you know, how you can donate, become a member, sign up for an edu trip, you know, check out any of our distance learning programs. You know, we have a YouTube channel, uh, you know, where we have a lot of, a lot of videos and experiences there. So yeah, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of platforms that they can reach out. Well, it sounds like I think we, we would all agree that you guys are super passionate about weather. Yes. And that shows yeah. through yes. all day today. It shows through right now. It's like just so great to see. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to be in order to have a job up here, living up here eight days a week and, no and understanding and experiencing this extreme weather. But it's definitely something I love to do. That's awesome. Well, we appreciate it too. I want a, a little shout out to Charlie Butterbaugh back there as well. Charlie, helped us uh, kind of uh, put this whole thing together with Serena as well. So Charlie, thank you for that. Thank you. Um, I do want to mention that the National Storm Chaser Summit, uh, which is coming up February second to the third at Dallas Fort Worth Marriott. Uh, some great guests. I mean, you really need to check out the lineup here. Some of those happen to be Reed Timmer, who's in the room right 
Oh, he looked at me shocked. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so. so. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Reed, you're going to be at the National Stadium. <laughs> uh, Mike Bettis, uh, Hank Shima, Tim Marshall, Karen Kasiva, Skip Talbot, um, Jen Watson's going to be there as well. And that's just a few of them. This is a great lineup. Uh, we're even shipping a bunch of our Twister trailer film cell keychains out there. So everybody in attendance is going to get one of those. Uh, tickets are only $125, but that ends January 20th. So you got to act right away. Just go to chasersummit.com. You'll get all the details. Check out the lineup. You can register. Take care of that. Uh, we're going to take a short break, but we're going to be right back with Reed Timmer. So uh, go ahead and stay tuned. We'll be right back. Don't miss Vintage Stormfront Freaks. This one here, we do, we do have a few dents in the new Suburban, but my truck, I, that, that hood's a trophy. You might as well put two GoPros on there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what it looks like. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to oh, run this thing into a tornado, and then they all start laughing. Good. You'll, you'll be the only silver one by the end of the night. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right. Uh, I have the pleasure now of introducing our, our next guest. And if you're a fan of weather, fan of this show, if you've been around any kind of storm chasing uh, and you haven't been uh, tied under a rock somewhere, you already know the name, the guy probably doesn't need any introduction, but his name is Reed Timmer. Woo! Yeah. Uh, Reed is an extreme meteorologist. He has witnessed, I, I would imagine, as many tornadoes as anyone else on planet Earth. And uh, Reed, for you, it all started in uh, May of uh, 1999. I didn't really start, but that was the moment that, like, all of a sudden people went, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. I consider when I got my driver's license kind of the first chase. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see tornadoes for another like, a couple of years. But but the but the Bridge Creek storm, right? Like that, oh, that yeah. like that whole EF five tornado, you know, and, and you really like catapulted to the forefront of not only storm chasing, but whether you have coined the term extreme meteorology. Uh, and I think that for most of us, uh, you know. When we think of storm chasing, other than Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt, <laughs> the, the next person that comes to mind is is Reed Timmer. So, how did you get from Bridge Creek, 1999, to where you are now? Uh, I know that's a big, loaded question, but just give us a bit of that backstory. Well, you're quite the chaser yourself, too. I, I should start with. Uh, we all are here. Storm chasers. <laughs> That's you read. But May 3rd, 99 was kind of the, the big one that started. I, I, the October 4th of 1998 outbreak was when I saw my first tornado. And that was the biggest October outbreak in Oklahoma history. But I was kind of far away from the tornadoes. And it was two right next to each other near Stillwater. But then went through that winter. And then the next spring, I had a couple chases. And then 
on May 1st, there was a big cutoff low over the Four Corners region, just spinning out there, and saw tornadoes on May 1st, but kind of far away, and it still just sat out there another day because it was kind of cool with some outflow. And then May 3rd just went nuts. And I had an exam and, and calculus, I remember, freshman year, and five of us packed in a soft-top geo-tracker. <laughs> <laughs> we're all packed in there. Didn't know what we were doing. You know, we thought we did at the time. And we're driving west, and we were targeting Altus on the dry line, and it fired on a, a horizontal convective roll. And we just see this explosion in front of us, and we knew it was something big was happening. And we see all the news helicopters flying around it, and then we came up, and it just turned into a tornado-producing machine. But it was textbook structurally. You could see clear slots, and it was almost like a, a tornadic supercell textbook that we had kind of early in our career to, to learn a lot from it. But we lost track of the F5 for a while, and we went down through a grove of trees and then came out, and it was coming right at us. And someone in the vehicle, maybe someone whose name starts with R, said, let's go to the overpass. <laughs> we all pull over, abandon the vehicle, we run to the overpass, and... There was a family freaking out underneath it, and and the tornado was coming at us and kind of turned a little bit to the left, and we got the right edge of it and had some mud and insulation coming down. But then right after that, we went into Moore and saw that horrific damage for the first yeah. time. And yeah. horses just wandering on I-44 and debris still raining down from the like, sky. Like, but... Back then, you're, you're chasing without mobile data. You don't have access to mm-hmm. what we have today. Um, to, to have that experience in that environment is pretty crazy. What has changed? Like, what is the biggest thing that you see in chasing now versus chasing then? Well, I think kind of the access to real-time data is the big thing. You know every storm within radar range, and you know of the tornadoes you miss. You're watching live videos from fellow storm chasers that are on storms. So kind of that real-time information. And it's usually a negative because you're like, damn it, I'm not on that storm. (laughs) And it's kind of nice to get on a storm and just focus on it throughout its journey, whether it's a tornado producer or whatever its personality may be. And I think they do have personalities from when they first develop, whether it's an HP, LP, classic, or a tornado producing machine, all dependent on the environment that they're in. So I think that that abundance of real-time information is how things are really different now. So, Reed, what sparked you to um, create the Dominator? Like, your vehicles are notorious and just, I've been inside of it before, and it's it's a machine in itself. Like, yeah. It's a tank. It, it is yeah. a tank. Yeah. So, let's talk about that and, like, you getting so close, like, in the tornado. Like, what was that like? What's the experience like? Because hardly mm-hmm. anybody in the world has ever experienced what you have. Well, I think that May 3rd, 99 tornado started the up close stuff because you can yeah. see the motion in three dimensions. And yeah. when you're far away, it almost looks like a two-dimensional painting. But the closer you get, you start to resolve all these crazy motions, vertical. And when you're looking up at an occlusion, you see the whole clear slot, like, uh, wrapping around and encapsulating the tornado cyclone and yeah. I think all that I, I really became obsessed with and seeing the suction vortices and the finer details and the cha- the chaos as it interacts with the lower boundary condition that the ground and yeah. so I think getting up close has kind of always been something ever since then that I've re- really loved to do and you know I've I recognized storm structure 
being up close to. And the first person that we worked with with an armored vehicle was actually Steve Green back oh. at, starting in 2003. Yeah. And he built, he was in NASCAR and built a vehicle called Tornado Attack One. Oh. <laughs> and he had this whole one piece suit, you know. Oh and, my God. And so Joel and I, Joel Taylor and I worked with him yeah. 2003 through 2005. And we led him to the Mulvane Tornado where he could, could have been intercepted and went in. He pulled it by trailer. So he'd have to drop it off of a trailer and soup it up and charge after the tornado. And but uh, yeah, that after the Malvin, Kansas uh, tornado in 2004, then uh, Joel and I were like, yeah, we're driving around in a beater vehicle, like a rust bucket. <laughs> you know, I had a 1991 Topaz. I had a Lumina that I got in an accident and the hood was held together by duct tape. And so we always had these beater vehicles, but we're still getting right in there close to it. And Joel and I were like, why the hell don't we just build a vehicle? You know, we could intercept them. And but then the show started, and Sean Casey had a vehicle, and and then we were in a, a regular vehicle. I just got a Tahoe from the bank for the first time and blew it to, to smithereens. <laughs> <laughs> a couple weeks after that, but Discovery Storm Chasers wanted Joel and I to be in a regular vehicle. They wanted us to be the underdog that's intercepting all these tornadoes against the armored vehicles, but. You, I told him we're to, gonna build it anyway. Do you need so. to put on like a disguise when you go, go to get insurance? <laughs> <laughs> Are they like no? Yeah. Well, the rental I'm car stuff forward. was a long story with Hertz. You know, I mean, uh, Hertz Rental kind of came after me recently, but yeah, but it's a complicated thing with the insurance. So yeah. like, I destroyed a, a two back to back in a flood in Arizona, but I drove up on rocks and it ripped up my oil pan and. And then the very next day, I got a or I got a replacement vehicle. And the very next day, I did the same thing to it. Oh. <laughs> and the flood had receded. It was debris left in the road from the flood. But they had this whole campaign. Like it, when they first called me, it was really aggressive, and I thought it was a scam call because they were so aggressive with me. And like, but then I found out it was real, and they tracked down my insurance company, and they wanted <laughs> oh me to pay them forty thousand dollars in damages. Oh. They have your picture behind the counter. Yeah, I'm on the, I'm on the, do, I'm on the do not rent list. <laughs> Officially, I heard. So probably after this podcast. <laughs> but in Storm Chasers, we had to rent all those follow vehicles too. So that that was also an issue because the, the rental car companies wouldn't allow them to rent. And some of the follow vehicles got direct hits from tornadoes too and destroyed the vehicles and everything. And, uh, yeah, it's complicated with so the rental cars. What haven't you destroyed? <laughs> yeah, I've destroyed everything. Yeah, almost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so Phil's called you a freak, uh, what, uh, three or four times today. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm, sure, I'm sure that over the course of, of your career storm chasing, that's a kind cut on you, right? <laughs> like some people think you're... You're uh, got some problems upstairs with how close you get to tornadoes. Yeah, uh, and how I do you respond like to that? Uh, I mean, honestly, at this stage, I just kind of just accept it. At this yeah. stage. <laughs> I, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think that that it's kind of come down a little bit in recent years with the influx of new chasers. I've yeah. noticed that they've kind of taken the attention off of me a little bit, which is nice. But when you're purposely trying to intercept and now a lot of storm chasers are intercepting regular vehicles too and surviving, which is which is ooh, kind yeah. of crazy. But yeah, yeah, there's some notable notable events this year in yeah. particular with that. So. But I think it shows that you know regular vehicles are lower profile, more aerodynamic. But I mean they're rolling too, and right. Oh, 
Reed, Reed, how do you, I gotta know, like, when you're pulling up to a tornado trying to intercept it, how do you make the decision whether or not, like, you think it's safe for you? Like, yeah. even even when you're in the Dominator, yeah. like, there's still moments where you might be like, okay, we gotta, we gotta get out of here. How do you, like, make that decision, right? Because that's, you gotta know what you're doing to be able to know, like, how to do that. Yeah, and a, a lot of times I eyeball it, yeah. to be honest. And and the, the Dominator Three is not perfect because if it's a strong enough tornado, it'll roll the vehicle probably, yeah. and yeah. it's not guaranteed survival. So you don't want to drive into something that's too powerful. But I just I got the Dominator Three back just this year in 2023, and we intercepted that one in Nebraska. And even though it was large, you could kind of tell the motion wasn't violent yet. Mm-hmm. You know, the violent ones are just really cranking, really compact vertical winds and so i thought you know that that was a perfect candidate to intercept lower cloud bases and the real dangerous ones are the higher cloud base with condensation all the way down to the ground because it requires such a low pressure to get yeah, condensation yeah. down there so like a high plains fully condensed tube all really? the way to the ground i, I think is i never thought scary. about that yeah. because you also said how heavy that dominator is yeah. Tell them how much it weighs. <laughs> yeah, it weighs 10,000 pounds, oh, and geez. we have the spike system that goes in. We put That's a couple amazing. holes in the road in Nebraska, and I, I, somebody, a storm chaser friend, Ryan Scholl, came in and put some flex liquid in there, some flex tape. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. 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 Patched it up, friend. so. Yeah, yeah but, yeah, that, you, you just eyeball it. We used to have a mobile radar that we'd scan vertically, and we'd aim it horizontally to try to get real-time wind measurements, mm-hmm. but... Those are so fleeting that I really think that the best way is just to to eyeball it. And it's, it's not a, a perfect ton of experience, science, so. right? I mean, you you yeah. you've seen enough tornadoes. You've been in setups almost every day during severe weather season. You know what you're doing, right? So it's like you only get that by having experience. Like yeah, yeah like it's experience. Me, I, I'm not gonna go drive it because I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be able to tell as much as someone like you would, right? So yeah, and, and most of the time, if you're you're early on, if that's some of your first experiences being that close. That even when you're a mile away, you're scared. You're thinking you're 50 yeah. yards away. And yeah. It's really that last five, even 10 minutes of driving, and it's chaos and you're driving to keep hitting the gas pedal. It's just, you know, it's, it's hard to do that, I yeah. think, too. And predict the road and predict the motion and everything. So that's why all the intercepts these days are accidental, I think, yeah. rather than and on purpose. So, so how many tornadoes have you seen? I haven't been keeping an exact count, but it's probably somewhere between you know, seven and eight hundred or so. Wow, I was about to guess that. That's yeah. yeah, really all I've ever done too. Because <laughs> how fast can that Dominator go? Like if you're like, let's get the hell out of here. It can go up over a hundred miles an hour. The Dominator. Oh, wow. it, it takes a while to get what going that, that fast. Yeah, I know. What's yeah. It? yeah, it's a Ford F three fifty, so it's got that diesel engine in there. Oh, okay. And, and it, yeah, it really moves, and it has the airbag suspension too, so that helps drop everything flush to the ground. And wow, that's amazing. We want to build a new one that's shaped like a disc, like a flying saucer. Oh, yeah. yeah. It wouldn't be vulnerable from a yeah. side wind. Oh, and, yeah, uh, that's cool. We'd that's like smart. to launch the sensors into the tornadoes again, and then we can be just outside and wow. shoot the so, sensors. So, so question, uh, talking about the dominators, two questions. One, um, as it asked. How did you decide to name the Dominator? Number one, number two. Obviously, it looks like they're you're trying to get them back out of the mothballs, and and so what what's what's your overall vision and plan there with what you're doing? Yeah, I figure I've got enough gas in the tank for one more Team Dominator run. I think with the vehicles Ooh. and the science, and yeah. you know, revamping the vehicles, and then you know, and so I think that I'd like to get all the vehicles out there, build another one, and we have a good team right now too out there with the Dominators and. Uh, yeah, I'd like to fix Dominator 1 and 2 and get Dominator 3 going again. So 
What was the first question? Uh, how, how the name? How oh the yeah, name. the name. So it, was, it started off as kind of a joke. So <laughs> Discovery Channel start when we first built it, and we had to kind of build it. They didn't want us to build it, but we did anyway. And Kevin Barton up in Michigan, who was uh, the mechanic at the golf course that I worked at, he's the one that built the Dominators, and he built race cars up there for the dirt tracks. And we were initially looking at, you know, like a real professional sounding name. And and then I, I saw this thing from Boeing, some like crazy drone called the Dominator with all these missiles all over it. I, I think it was going, it could have been something else. But I sent a picture to the executive producer at Discovery, and I was like, how about the Dominator? He's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it turned into that. And, this and, that and we said dominate a lot. <laughs> Anything that's like good, you know, or like we'd be dominating or, you know, it just kind of happened. I, that's, I haven't heard, hadn't heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's when we just started racing. <laughs> hey, a bit of a loaded question, but out of those 700 or so tornadoes, are is there one that that stands out? Is there one that you go, this is this is the, the peak of the career right here? No, but there's definitely a top tier of them that they come around. You know, sometimes every year you'll get one of those. Sometimes every few years, and I definitely have a, the, the top ones up. And there. give us a give us a top five. Oh, yeah. Uh, Maybe like the outbreak. Even top two. Yeah. Outbreak mm -hmm. I mean, one of the top ones is the Pipestone Manitoba tornado, June 23rd, 2000. That was the first video I ever saw of yours. Here's this guy uh, driving down the road. He's driving down the road, holding the camera in one hand, pointing the camera out, pointing the camera over his shoulder this way. The door's open. He can't get the door closed. And the tornado's like in the field right beside you. Crazy. Yeah, I think that was one of the stronger tornadoes in Canada. That one got rated F3, F4. But Eli happened the day before that was right. rated at five and just missed that one. But I had planned on going through Winnipeg and then back west instead of up through the prairie dog type. I wanted to see the prairie dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so we missed the Eli at five. Uh, the Pipestone Target, that was one we were targeting. It was kind of one of those classic southeast movers, you know, kind of zonal flow, but strong low-level chat. And yeah. I think those are the biggest setups because the El Reno happened from that, Bennington. Mm -hmm. You know, the Pilger tornadoes where you kind of get those easterlies underneath yeah. 40, 50 knots, big cape, late season, southeast moving grinders. <laughs> so those like Coleridge, you know, is another oh, yeah, one. The one. Manchester, South Dakota tornado and Andover in 2022 was, was it? A, How much are we up to, guys? Is that like about 10 yeah, now? Yeah, more than I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the great thing about you, Reed, is you're not just like the big tornado outbreaks. When you go through a town that's been devastated, you stop at the chase ends there and you help people out. And you've done a lot of research too to try and learn more about tornadoes so you can have better warnings. Can you tell us about some of the data and things that you've mm -hmm. learned chasing that have kind of helped with the warning systems? Yeah, our rocket paper finally just got published recently. So we're about to post that. Awesome. Uh, coming up. And uh, so with that one, we, we launched a model rocket in the inflow region of a tornado. And we figured out that with the sinking motion around a tornado with the occlusion process that you can't just ship like a, a balloon or like a parachute probe that's neutrally buoyant toward the tornado because it's closed. It's an, an, a trapped by the sinking air in there by definition with the occlusion, the clear slot wraps all the way around. And to get to that trapped inflow air with the vertical winds, yeah. you got to have a rocket that can penetrate oh, the sinking cool. air and then a parachute pops. And if you have a miniaturized sensor, it'll move with the wind speed. So your GPS data is roughly equivalent to the wind speed if it's 
moves along with the wind and measures pressure and so we've been trying as you know it yeah. we met in Tupelo yeah, we and did. we've been trying to launch miniaturized sensors since like 2009 but the technology wasn't quite there and yeah. Mark Simpson who's chasing spin on Twitter was able to build a miniaturized sensor that worked and streamed live data and so we launched one sensor and it streamed the data back and, okay. and it re recorded a pressure fall of uh 113.5 millibars just above the ground oh and, my gosh. and the speeds were up around 90 meters per second oh and, my it, gosh. and it was just above the ground whipping around at that in two closed loops oh. and then it went to the mesocyclone and did a straight line tilted ascent at like 90 meters a second oh. up to 30,000 feet oh my god and we thought we lost the sensor and we because it stopped streaming data when it went up about 11,000 meters and we uh and posted a picture of it on Facebook. Yeah. And somebody found it in Leavenworth. Oh, yes. 30.2 kilometers away. So we got the 10 hertz data, that's which amazing. was the high resolution data from it. And wow. That's awesome. But, that is so incredible. Like, uh, but the process of getting it published has been it, it, it took like three or four years. So imagine you can launch a rocket into a tornado, write a whole paper on it, and so still cool. it's difficult, if it, especially if it's self funded research. That's kind of the hardest to, to get published. But that's published phenomenal, on. though. I mean, it, What's it? It's 27 years in one rocket and one. <laughs> 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 that's the only one to do that, right? Exactly. exactly. Yeah, to measure direct data in three dimensions inside of a tornado, because a lot of the data is radar, and radar is largely limited in the horizontal planes, and you're at a standoff range and, yeah. and resolution. But you can still do a lot with with, with radar up close. But. All right, Reed, it is time for our lightning round. Uh, so this is the point, just so everyone's aware, if you're new to the show, this is where the podcast goes downhill. <laughs> real fast. Um, but uh, it's time for our lightning round. And so what, what this, we call it our game show of flashy and brilliant questions that we play with our guest. Maybe. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Uh, tonight, we're going to play what's called uh, Reed Makes the Hard Decisions. Whoa. Okay. Oh. Um, so, so what we're gonna do? So I, I had sent out a request to some of our Patreon members and some of our social media followers to kind of ask them what were some of their favorite uh, moments over the last hundred episodes that we have had. And you know, you you get some guests, you know, that were popular that people liked, but but the other thing that happens is you also get feedback from people on things that we did that maybe weren't really weather related, <laughs> right? And for whatever reason, those tend to be really popular things. So what we're gonna do is you are gonna pick tonight between two previous lightning rounds okay. that we've played before. Um, one was from episode 130, and this was uh, Mark Staples and was actually one of Greg's favorites. Uh, we called it film title question mark. All right, so this was popular. The other one you're going to pick from uh, was picked, uh, chosen by Fuzzy Mickelson and Billy Bowling. Uh, and this one was from episode 166 called Give It To Me Straight. Mm -hmm. So film title question mark or Give It To Me Straight. Which one are we playing tonight? Give It To Me Straight. Give It To Me Straight. <laughs> All right. So here's what this is. We played this one with uh, Ryan Hall, y'all. Nice. Uh, so this was, was played with Ryan Hall. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a website. So a lot of us, you know, we've all weekend, all weekend, all day that we've been up here, uh, we've been on social media, we've been posting things all day and, and through the evening we will be. But these are website names. 
and they either come from Business Insider, and it's 21, it comes from their list of 21 legit business domain names that sound really inappropriate. <laughs> so they're actually business sites, yeah. uh, but they just maybe don't sound like a business site. Okay. Or it comes from Glamour. They had a list of their top ethical porn sites oh. that are inclusive and empowering, <laughs> according to Glamour uh, in 2021. So I'm going to give you the website, and you just have to tell me porn legit business <laughs> or ethical porn. Okay. Legit <laughs> business. Yeah, or I remember this. this. It was fun one. It was so you guys good. remember this? And, 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 um, What's ethical porn? <laughs> that is a great question. This, this is a good question, and, and just to prevent everybody from from talking over people, uh, freaks, you're, you're welcome to kind of chime in, but just be careful that you bunch of you aren't chiming in at once. All right, so here we go. So the first website uh, is called whorepresents.com, and so tell me, is that an ethical, legit business site or an ethical porn site? So legit business or ethical porn? Legit business. That's actually correct. Uh, wow. It's, it, it's really who represents.com. It's, it's, oh. it's a celebrity agent uh, site, uh, but, but it's legit. So I thought it might have been Horfrost. Or <laughs> All right, so here's the next one. It is called spitexposed.com. Is that legit business or ethical porn? Spit exposed. Ethical porn. <laughs> porn. Uh, you're correct. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask me why. Why am I good at that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next one is uh, dicksonweb.com. Oh, my God. <laughs> go, business. Yeah. Uh, you would be correct. It's dicksonweb. Dicksonweb.com. Uh, some data capture company, I, I guess. Oh uh, here we go. DollarSexChange.com. Legit or ethical porn? Legit business. Yeah. What? It is. Yeah. Wait, wow, DollarsExchange.com. Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> 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 okay, next one. <laughs> Lustcinema.com. I'm going to go porn. No, yeah. business. I porn. Know. You got it. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So this is five for five? It's five for five. Five for five. Okay. Yeah. Get it? You All are right. really good at it. You're on Hobgood yeah. <laughs> level now. All right. All right, here we go. Brightdesire.com. Business. No, it is. It's oh. 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 Okay. Ethical Dang. porn. Ethical porn. Nice. Uh, next one, teacherstock.com. Porn. No, that's incorrect. Oh. It's teacherstalk.com. It's an online education site. <laughs> There's been those articles of, uh, well, never mind. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Uh, okay, uh, lustery.com. Lustery. I'm going to go business because it could be something sparkly. Sparkly? Yeah. What do you mean sparkly? Like shiny. Oh, like, okay. um, serious news. Oh. Yeah. Or like lighting. All right. Lustry.com. Read business. Business. <laughs> Incorrect. Oh. Oh. Sorry, Reed. Blow it. Uh, you're doing so well. We're never going to come back around. Uh, okay. 
Okay, this I always have a hard I time. I had your pattern down, I think. <laughs> uh, the rapist. Oh, oh my God. Jeez. Oh. Exactly. I'm going to have to pass on this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be ethical. Or, I mean, I mean yeah. it's not ethical business. business. Therapist. 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 Oh, yeah. oh, no, it is a bit, yeah. yeah. You got it right. You got it right. And so therapist. it's therapist.com. You can find therapists, I guess, on the site. All right. Oh, I, I can get it. Okay. I see. <laughs> yeah. Oh, All wow. Right. Uh, two more. You are really good at these. <laughs> Dreamsofspanking.com. Uh, it's got to be ethical porn. <laughs> that is. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It, it's a site that apparently uh, is very inclusive and empowering. According to Glamour. <laughs> All right, the last one. Save the best for last. Penislam.net. What do you guys think? I think it's a business. It's a business. It's a business. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, 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 hold on. Actually, Penisland. The penisland.com. That's a, That's like a. Yeah. Maybe. Yes, don't go to Island Dark. Right. Pen is business. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go business. It is business. Yeah. Island. Island.net, they sell pens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's we know Phil's mine. So, uh, so great job, Bree. You are rolling. Nice job. Yeah. Yourself. So good. So uh, tell people where they can find you and follow you and your streams now, too, since you're doing a lot of that. Yeah, you can follow us on Facebook and YouTube under Reed Timmer, and uh, we'll be doing the Team Dominator stuff again, so you can follow me on Twitter as well, or ReedTimmer.com. Very good. Hi, Stormfront Freaks podcast listeners. It's Jen, founder of Girls Who Chase. I'm thrilled to tell you that our day-long Storm Chasing 101 training event is back on March 2nd, 2024. The annual virtual spring training event, and yes, the pun is intended, will provide foundational, operational, and accessible information and training material for storm chasers at all levels. From those who want to begin their chase education or brush up on the basics, to more advanced chasers wanting to learn more in-depth about specialized topics. Just like in baseball, we'll gather every spring to shake off the rust, refresh our skills, and get ready to hit a home run. Not sure if this one's for you, well, if you've ever thought to yourself, I'd love to start storm chasing, but I have no idea how to get started. Believe me, you're not alone. We've been hearing this over and over since we launched Girls Who Chase, and that's why spring training is designed to offer accessible entry-level foundational basics for everyone. Spring training is provided in partnership with the leading meteorology education organization, Comet's MetEd program, and it will always be held virtually and remain affordable. Girls Who Chase is a global community, and we believe strongly in making science and learning accessible to everyone without the constraints of travel or financial hardship. And if you can't make it on March 2nd, don't worry. We'll be recording all presentations, and they'll be made permanently available to registrants. For all the details, including topics, speakers, and the schedule, please go to girlswhochase.com slash springtraining. We look forward to seeing you there. Oh my God, yay! So I'm so excited to introduce, we are here with Janice Dean. She's the senior meteorologist for Fox News and Fox Weather. And this very moment, she's celebrating 20 years with Fox. Janice, you've covered storm after storm. I mean, I can only imagine what you've seen, what you've experienced. Break down a little bit some of the highlights from your career. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's your life. <laughs> Fill us 
was like, could you tell me it took 15 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> Four hours. Okay. Um, you know what? I, so I started 20 years ago. That's 2004, January. Um, and we actually kicked off a pretty wintry season, I remember. You know, yeah. my first day on air, I think I was covering a big winter storm that uh, hit the Northeast in the New York City area. So just right from there. And then a uh, year after that was Hurricane Katrina, which is mm -hmm. so, and it was the worst hurricane season on record. We went to the Greek alphabet. I remember, I mean, it was just, um, it was devastating, but also, um, you know, a moment where I was like, is this what it's going to be like? Oh my goodness. <laughs> like nonstop. Yeah. Um, you know, a pretty big winter storms. I think I covered both the first time New York City hit the highest snowfall total. I think it was like 22 feet, definitely. Yeah. And then wow. a, a couple years later, another round, uh, we actually topped that. Yeah. So that was within a, you know, just a couple of years. Um, but, a, you know, big hurricanes, a lot of devastating tornadoes. Um, the thing I remember the most about covering severe weather is after the storm, that's when you see the best in humanity, yeah. um, people helping neighbors. Um, and that's what I always like to remind people of. It's obviously terrible to see what happens after a storm, yeah. but when you see people helping others, that's what life is all about. And that's what I remember the most. Janice, you, I've always heard that in the world of like breaking news, when there's bad weather, like ratings go up, like bad weather is the thing that drives. Has that been your experience over the years with like your, like the the the, the actual on the ground physical uh, reporting that you've been doing? Mm. Is that been some of the highest rated stuff? Well, I remember Hurricane Katrina being right. one of the highest rated events that we ever covered. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember when that storm exploded in the Gulf of Mexico within just a few hours and it was overnight. Yeah. You know, you woke up the next day, it was category five mm -hmm. and you just knew how devastating this event was going to be. I remember being on the air with Geraldo uh, at 10 PM that night and just knowing that this was going to kill people. Yeah. And so to have to deliver news that this was going to potentially be a catastrophic event, which we all knew, yeah. but also trying not to, uh, you know, scare people so much. It, it was, it's a fine line that you kind of walk. But in answer to your question, you know, big weather events, any big news event is always going to generate more viewers. Mm -hmm. But I always take my job very seriously in that it's my job to warn as many people and to make sure I'm giving the best forecast that I can give so that, you know, we're trying to save lives really, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, Reed could speak to this. Mm -hmm. He goes out there in, in crazy, uh, a crazy environment, but your ultimate goal is to make people aware of severe weather and to show them what mother nature is capable of. Certainly, yeah. <clears throat> as well as just to intercept the tornado to begin with and record. Yeah. What is your favorite type of storm? I'm going to say a winter storm because I'm from Canada. And uh, I remember growing up, you know, seeing snow, the, the height of my rooftop. I've got <laughs> pictures yeah. of that. And ever since I can remember the first snowfall event going out and doing a snow angel to this day, I'll be 54 this year. I will always go out and do a snow angel no matter how old I am. <laughs> as long as I can get get up afterwards or at least have help, I'm going to do that. Um, 
you know, I respect the people that are out in the storm, like Reed and the reporters that go out to the tornado like locations or hurricanes. For me, I would rather be in the studio and tell people to stay inside. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's my role. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like I'm also sort of the mother hen <laughs> uh, box. Like I'll tell a reporter, I've done it on air. If they're too close to an area where there's water that's going to be rising, yeah. I'll stay on air. Like, please go to higher ground. You know, no live shot is worth really risking Absolutely. your life if you don't know what you're dealing with. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's always been my role. And Fox has been very um, respectful of that. Yeah, They've never good. said to me, we want you to go cover this because the ratings will be higher if you're out right, there right. holding on to a signpost. Uh, so, but so come on, that's a cool shot. <laughs> it's not to say, it's not to say that I don't see Reed go, go Reed. <laughs> but I know that he is, somebody that's going to take his safety into account. I, I never worry about that with somebody like you, because I just know that you're doing everything. Safety's my middle name. Yeah. <laughs> so you All right, wait, am I living in an alternate universe? I'm fine with being the mother. He's, He's, He's yeah, little baby doesn't use though. You do such a good job, Janice, though. You really do. Oh, I appreciate that. But winter storms definitely. So this one was a big one for me being at Mount Washington. Was it a single storm that got you on the path? Mm. Well, I did a little bit backwards. I, you know, I've always been interested in weather. I was always good in science and math in school. Um, I went down that broadcasting road. I took uh, radio television broadcasting back home in Canada. Um, but and I worked at a classic rock station for my the first job outside cool. of my career. But I was also doing weather on the side. And at the time, 30 something years ago, you didn't need the education that you need now to be right now. I, I took broadcast meteorology while I was at while I was at Fox because I knew that this was going to be my career. But I always sort of had the love of weather in the background and always kind of did part time weather during my career. And then when I knew that this was going to be uh, what I was going to be doing full time at Fox, then I went back to school, like a lot of broadcast meteorologists do with their yeah. wonderful broadcast uh, program shout, at Mississippi, shout out to where? Mississippi Miss State. Yeah. 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 And I, I love what they do. Uh, and I always say that you can be the smartest person in the room and know every equation associated with you know, every meteorological uh, phenomenon out there. But if you can't deliver the message to the public, yes. then oh. you're kind of doing a disservice, right? And that's not to say there are brilliant meteorologists out there, but I think for broadcast meteorology, you really have to like connect with your audience. And I'm not somebody who likes to throw around fancy terms. Yeah. I just try to break it down as easily as I can. And I, and that's smart. That's how they teach you. And it's, Brilliant. You do such a good job. Well, so, I, so I have to know. Yeah. You, we talked about like 20 years. Usually in this line of work, you bounce around a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. you, so what is the secret? What has kept you at Fox for 20 years where most Very people, question. you know, wouldn't have, don't find a place in land like that? That's a good question. It is the environment that I'm in. And I, that's not to say, listen, I wrote about it in a book a few years ago called Mostly Sunny. Uh, it's not to say that I didn't go through a, a, a rocky period at Fox. We all know some of the history behind uh, the some people that are no longer there. Uh, I was subjected to an abusive boss, uh, and I talked about that. I was very open about that, but I was also able to navigate that so that it never got to a point where 
I felt unsafe in my work environment. But when I did find out that there were others going through something, I thought it was important to speak up about my experiences, which had happened at the beginning of my career. Um, so, but having said that, for the most part, we are really a family there. There's always going to be dysfunction in a family, and there certainly has <laughs> been in the past. Um, but they have always been very uh, wonderful with me, and I've gone through challenges in my life that they have helped me with. I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2005, uh, and that was my own personal storm that I went through. And they were very supportive in me coming out and using Fox to be a platform to talk about somebody living with a chronic illness. Yeah. And that was one of the best decisions I ever made. And I'm just so grateful for Fox to say, absolutely, we support you. And however you want to talk about this, if you want to feel free to. Um, and, and I think looking back on those 20 years, the greatest thing, one of the greatest things I ever did was was talking about a diagnosis like that because it helped so many people. I still have people come up to me and say, um, you know, my mom, my brother, someone I, you know, family member or my wife, my brother, they saw you doing what you do and, and still up there. And that really inspired me or whoever in their family. So that's, that's been very important. Jan uh, Janice, I'm wondering too, like for other people in that position, and I've been there too, the best advice you can give somebody if they're in that position where you're like, it's somewhat toxic do you just raise your voice because you said you navigated it, but instead of just saying, fine, I'm leaving mm -hmm. and you going when you want to just, when you want to be there, that's your job. It depends because you know what the job before Fox was a very toxic environment. I worked for Don Imus for a year. I read that in your book. Yeah. And that was really a, really an environment that I knew I could not thrive in. And I, I got out. And that's so a good point. You couldn't thrive in it. Yeah, that's a good point with Roger, Roger Ailes, who we're talking about at Fox. There was listen, my throughout my whole career, I think a lot of women can say this. You've had moments where you're like, is he hitting on me or is this something different with him? I always thought it was kind of a jokey thing. And I was always able to laugh it off and say, you know, I have a boyfriend, that kind of thing. But it's not something that I had never not dealt with in my career. Mm -hmm. I hate to say that now we're more aware of me too issues and that kind of thing. So my best advice is I told girlfriends, uh, I, I told people I worked with. And so when I finally did come out and talk about my experience, I had already documented it or talked about it with other people. So I think that's my number one thing is if you don't feel comfortable going to HR, which by the way, you should feel comfortable going to HR. That's the one thing I, I think has changed in the environment, especially Fox now. You can phone a 1-800 number and be totally anonymous now and say, I'm having this issue and not feel like you're, you know, you're in a room under a spotlight. Um, I think the best thing you can do is tell another person, you know, document it. And nowadays you really should tell someone higher up about the situation and you should never feel um, that that's going to come back and haunt you somehow. Good advice. So, yeah. Great advice. Yeah. Janice, I, I have a question too about like, People that are looking to get into broadcast meteorology, yeah. whether it's coming out of college or young professionals, I feel like, and I'm, you know, you know this, right? The industry the last 20 years has changed pretty dramatically. A lot of social media stuff like that. What advice do you give to people that are looking to get into broadcast meteorology and, and thinking about like 
you know, how to get to where you are, because I feel like you're at the pinnacle, right? And that's kind of where everyone strives to be. Mm. What advice would you give to those, to those folks? You know, listen, I never, you know, 20 years ago, if you said to me, what are you going to be doing 20 years from now? I really didn't know, right? Mm. I knew that I wanted to do something in broadcasting, being able to deliver a message. Um, but I didn't quite know what that was going to be. Um, so I think for me, I, I tried all sorts of different things. I was a producer. I wrote the news. I did the news. I um, you know, was a DJ. And even though you look at that and you kind of laugh. Wait, did you have a DJ name? Like, no, I was DJ Janice Dean. Janice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I did, did so many different things. But I did a lot of different uh, genres of music. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. But when I go back and I think about my career, it was really my uh, experience in radio that helped me because you're able to tell a story without having pictures. So yeah. you're able to actually, you know, tell um, a story and someone has to use their imagination. Yeah. So I, my advice to somebody that's getting into the broadcast world, if it's broadcast meteorology, you know, certainly get the education, but also do different jobs so that you have an appreciation for what everybody else does. Like my producer, Sam, I've done that job before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't been a camera person, uh, but I have organized shoots yeah. before. Yeah. So that way, you know, you kind of know everybody's place and job and you appreciate them more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also here's my other big lesson. Every job I've ever gotten was not because I handed somebody a resume. It was because someone was trying to help me out or, or, um, you know, I met somebody and they said, for instance, the Imus job, I met a makeup artist at WCBS in New York, where I was working part-time doing the traffic. Uh, and, and she said, you know, I can bring your tape over to Fox. I work over there. So a makeup so artist awesome. over at WCBS brought my tape over to Fox. And it's not to say that you ha you can't, you have to, because you have to prove yourself, yeah. Yeah. but you never know where that next job is going to come That's from. And I think that if you're a generally a nice person and you're good to other people, that's going to come back to you. I think the meteorology world is a very small world. Like yeah. Yeah. the seven degrees of separation, like yeah. we all know each other Yeah, somehow. Mm -hmm. and somebody knows us who knows you and. I, and the word gets around if you're not the nicest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and how I, do you feel about social media? There have been lots of trolls on social media. Are you guys required to deliver content to social media at Fox? Or are you no, we aren't. Um, and that's kind of been great. They've kind of let us navigate that world. I like social media. I think there's more... Um, positives than negatives, even though sometimes I'll put myself out there and, and, you know, you get some incoming and you're like, mm, do I, do I say something or just leave this one alone? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I think it helps. Um, you know, you use it in a very positive way. Um, you know, the stuff that I did up at Mount Washington, it's like, you want to share it. You want to, you know, so cool. show other people what you're doing yeah. and also to promote places like Mount Washington mm -hmm. that deserve to have a spotlight on them. Yeah. Yeah. So the stuff that I can't say do it in three minutes on Fox news, I can do that on social media by saying, here's the website you can go to, or here are all the people that, you know, help make this happen. So I, I like it. I, I do tend to like social media. Do you but also do a lot with Fox weather? Starting to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But like, like anything else it can, I, I, I try to do it in, 
<laughs> my husband will get mad at me if I'm at home <laughs> and I'm like doing it too much. Yeah. Right. Cause we all say to our kids, Get off the iPad, right? And then and they're like, but you, mom, what are you doing right now? So I have to sort of like, if it's work and I'm doing work right now, then I'm going to do it. But if I'm at home, I try to put it away a little bit. Yeah. Do you have like a studio or like a, like a setup and like green screen at home? I did during there? COVID. Yes. Through, uh, for over a year, I was doing weather from home. So they put a home studio and it was just very recently that we took the home studio. That's probably hard to disconnect, right? They're like, yeah. hey, you going for a live shot? You're home. You know? Well, it's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, they would ask me sometimes at night, like, can you do this? Not necessarily weather, but can you do something with a, a show? Um, and I would, um, but then I, tr I do try to separate it a little bit. And I think with COVID, we really got used to working from home and then we didn't have that separation between mm -hmm. our, our work and then our home life. And I think it's important to have that balance. Yeah. 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 I agree. yeah we got to set some limits. We do. Yeah. 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 I have a question for you. So throughout your career, what's the longest that you've stayed awake covering a storm or like stayed overnight in the studio? Hmm. Do you have any kind of crazy stories about that? Well, you know, <laughs> Let's see, Hurricane Sandy, yeah. because that was uh, affecting yeah. my area. Yeah. And my husband's a fireman, so that was a big balance because my kids were young, and I actually stayed to to cover Hurricane Sandy from pretty much the beginning through the middle and the end. So I was in the city for several days, wow. and Sean was also working with the fire department, so we had to call on neighbors to help and that kind of thing. So when you say you know overnights and all that kind of thing, that that's the storm that I think about the ones that are in your neighborhood. Yeah. And then, you know, you have to try to get home or not get home or yeah. so that one I, I, you know, and hurricane season is certainly busy, but now that we have Fox weather, we have a lot of meteorologists now that are, that are able to sort of fill those gaps that at the beginning, 20 years ago, I was the it's very first on air wow. meteorologist, well, not at the time, but on air presenter at the time when I was there, they, I was the first one that they'd hired to do wow. the weather. Yeah. So I have, I have one more question, uh, but the question's for Phil initially. <laughs> Phil, has Janice been on our show more than any other guest? She, this, this will be her fourth, fourth? Wow. official wow. time on an, epi an actual episode. So that ties now for the most of any, and, and so we're going to have a jacket for the five-timer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So here's, here's my question then, Janice. Like, here we are with this, you know, uh, like both of our followers. Uh, <laughs> really, really thank you. But like, what a cool thing. No, but seriously, what a cool thing. You, you know, you've got this high profile, you know, network job and you take the time cool. to join a, a group of people like this, obviously with similar interests, but that's pretty damn cool. Yeah. And like that's uh, I don't know if we would get that from anyone. So Aww. I think that that's pretty like I don't. So there's no question here. I just want to say it, like that's pretty. Awesome. Well, you guys yeah. have always been nice to me, and so I think that you know you you. Why wouldn't I? You know, I remember the first time you reached out, and I was like, of course, that's cool. So the the one question everybody's got, like everyone's really really uh, nobody's been ever everyone's been afraid to ask. Um, where are you from in Canada? <laughs> <laughs> This is going to get political. Uh, I always say uh, the only red and blue I see on a map are areas of high pressure. Oh. So, so where in Canada? 
Okay, born in Toronto, and I grew up in Ottawa. I grew up in Ottawa. Stop! I just left Ottawa yesterday morning. Is that true? True. Yeah. Did we not know this? Listen, what high school did you go to? Confederation High School. Oh, boo! <laughs> no, I, went, I, went, I went to Brookfield. Okay. And uh, did we, is it possible that we may have dated? As, <laughs> I don't know. Back to you. You have asked me this before, <laughs> yeah, and I think we've done the research, <laughs> and the answer is no. Okay. <laughs> okay so I've, I've got one more question, and I'm, I'm going to throw it back at you because you asked me a question from your podcast. Yep. That I'm just throwing right back at you. What's your plan? Uh, 20 years now into Fox, what's your plan moving ahead and forward oh. this next year beyond? Well, you know what? This was a really good example of you're never too old to try different things or go different places. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be 54 this year. Look at this. Yeah. Go, girlfriend. You too. I know, but we didn't date. Uh, we didn't. She said no, Greg. But, you know, for instance, like I went to the top. Uh, when they where they do the the weather observations, the even top of the tower. yes, the top of the tower, and I mean I climbed those stairs and I was up there looking, you know, down below, and I thought, right on, this is awesome, and I'm going to continue to do this as long as I possibly can, um, and I'm grateful that Fox lets me do this. Now that we have Fox Weather, you know, they seem to be very interested in these kinds of stories. And I feel like this is kind of more of more of what I want to do. Like not yeah. to take away from Fox and Friends because I love that in the morning, but I do love to go out and experience more things. And I think, you know, as we get older, maybe mortality is on on our mind more. Bucket lists are a thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's on the bucket list. Yeah. Do you have another right, bucket list? You know what, Reed? I gotta say. So I wrote I wrote a Freddie the Frogcaster book about tornadoes. And yeah. and Reed was my inspiration for Tad Polar. <laughs> so he was the storm chaser. <laughs> yes, you have to read it because like Reed was Reed's new nickname. <laughs> Um, it is Tad wow. Polar, isn't it? I think what it is. But anyway, um, and I, I, you know, because I know you and I would do that. I probably would do that. So I take it back. I would, if, if it was you, I would not be the mama hen and I would go out and put my freak on. Um, we're going to do a live spot from uh, Hurricane Hunter. Oh, th I would do that too. I would, that would do that. that. Yes. You won't be able yes. to hear the show. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've always said I would go up in a Hurricane Hunter. Okay. Yeah. I, like, yeah. As long as I feel that there, there are people that want to be safe and are doing safe things, I would definitely do that. You know, but, but to stand out, like, you know, when a category four five is like on your doorstep and it's not yeah. as dangerous as it looks thank you for having me you're about to have a really great um time and i just want to thank you guys too because bill you're the one that you know put this into motion Ooh, and, cool. you know yeah. i really appreciate that yeah
Thank you. Of course. Yeah. All right, so we're going to take our final break. Uh, don't forget, you can find Stormfront Freaks merchandise exclusively at helicity.co. Helicity is the dream store of weather stuff for weather geeks. They've got T-shirts, drink containers, and you can shop our entire Stormfront Freaks catalog of logo merch. And uh, we've even got hashtag weatherfools shirts you can get there. Uh, just visit, uh, visit helicity.co. It's the weather superstore for the freaking you. <laughs> this is Bruce Towns. And this is Bruce Jones of Midland Radio, and you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks Podcast. Let's take a drive under the somber sky. Let's take a drive under the moon. So welcome back. Episode 200 of Stormfront Freaks Podcast here on the top of Mount Washington and at the observatory. Uh, one of the segments we wanted to do today was actually uh, go around and find out and ask each of our co-hosts and our guests kind of what's the, the most used weather app they tend to use. Uh, maybe it's something unique you've never heard of. Who knows? Uh, but I'm going to go around the horn. Hopefully some of you guys have prepped. I'll start over here on this side with our freaks and we'll come back around. And, and, and if we need to do a second round, we can do that as well. But uh, Greg, I'm going to start with you. What tends to be your most used uh, weather app? Well, I got I got a few, but the one I've been really enjoying the last few years has been Sasquatch, which is this uh, great app that allows you to uh, you know pull up the the satellite imagery and overlay you know the daily forecast, the the the, the probabilities, and it's just a great uh, great tool and it's easy to use. And I think it was free. That's kind of nice. cool. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Added bonus. That's cool. All right, Serena. Uh, I really like the My Radar app. I know everybody does my does Radar Scope, and that's everybody's favorite. But I have used My Radar for years, and I love it. My favorite thing about it is if you have your location set, it'll let you know before it's going to rain or thunderstorm or snow, and say, "Hey, it starts in ten minutes or twenty minutes," and it's fairly accurate. So it's the one I recommend to everybody, and it's my favorite. That's a good one. Dina. Yeah. Uh, can I plug the one I actually work for? <laughs> <laughs> That's the one you use. I do. It's the Weather sure. Channel app, and you know I'm on it most because I make the graphics for it. <laughs> so I love it. Yeah. Is is there any one that you tend to use that help you to know what you should be making graphics for, or what weather stories to be? Well, I mean, we decide that, but and right. then then we make the graph, you know, we make the graphics for them. We have the on-camera meteorologist explain right. it. So, okay. I mean, it's kind of nice, and it's good too when I'm off, <laughs> because then I can kind of brief myself a little bit before I come back to work. Cool, Brady. You know, for me, it's probably got to be Weatherbell. Just the, it, it's got a bunch of different models on it. I mean, it's not necessarily cheap, but during the winter, I mean, it's just like they've got the ensembles and they've got like you know all 64 members all next to each other. So. Um, I love it for winter weather forecasting, and it's good in the summer too. But I usually just do it during the winter. So good yeah. call. All right, Jay, and do you? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have to say radar scope, mm -hmm. uh, mostly because uh, you know you get the different tilts in Mount Washington. The summit's actually higher than tilt one, so sometimes it like blocks you know whatever we're gonna see, or we'll just permanently see precipitation. Um, so yeah, I can like go through the different tilts and just 
look at a lot of different parameters. But yeah, I mean, there's there's so many out there, and I use probably like you know half a dozen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I want one I so bad though. Yeah, yeah. What do you use to forecast here? Yeah, so we have Weatherbell. Okay. Um, I personally use like weathermodels.com. Yeah. Um, also like Tropical Tidbits. Yeah. Um, oh, solid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean that's like a wealth of. But I feel like I just named a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's still, it's still, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like, oh crap. I know, I'm like, <laughs> Radar scope was fine, but like I, I do use radar scope yeah. all the time. I mean, it's my go-to looking all over the country, seeing where the storms are, especially when we get alerts and warnings. I mean, it's just I love it, and the tilts are amazing too. I mean, I think that's really critical and important. So, yeah, yeah, I like that. And weather balance, all the things. All right, Reed. Reed. Got one that we haven't said yet? No, I use radar scope to chase. And mostly, I just like the simplistic views and yeah. And using the different tilts and everything too, to and different radar sites, and I use pivotalweather.com a lot for model models, and uh, tropicaltidbits.com for tropics, and also autumnsky.us for hodographs. Yeah. Like using the VAD profile hodographs. Yeah, um, much like Jay, I use radar scope a lot um, for all the same reasons. You can adjust the tilts, figure out how the correlation coefficients and everything else translate to the Mount Washington area as opposed to all the general areas around here. So it's really nice getting all specific info, and I also have it up at my desk every hour of the day when I'm up. So it's always running in the background. So if there is a snow flurry coming through, you can determine whether it's convective or just a snow shower. Um, so that's definitely been probably one of the biggest tools we use here, that and Weatherbell. Good. I wanted to throw in a little bit of education there and do our show after that uh, lightning round. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but so, so one of the things I want to do, so this is episode 200, uh, and, and the last time we really got together was to celebrate episode 100, uh, which was in Oklahoma City. Um, but what I wanted to do is just kind of go back. I'm going to review some of the highlights of the last 100 episodes, and, and I want uh, our freaks and our co-hosts chime in if, if there's something from that episode that maybe you remembered or, or things like that. But, um, you know, we finished episode 100 about four days before the world shut down for um, COVID, yeah. right? I mean, we just got lucky that that we were able to go to Oklahoma City, we were able to fly back home, and a few days later, boom, things were shut down. But uh, we came back with episode uh, 101 on March 19th. So COVID was now, the world was shut down uh, but we had Tim Marshall's first appearance yeah, on the show, uh, so that that was kind of a, a neat follow-up. Uh, episode 102, we had Jim Cantori's second appearance on the show, uh, which was fun to have. Episode 105, we had so we had a segment that we started uh, short-lived, but it was called "Have You Heard?" And it, one of the things we talked about on that episode was uh, the fact that uh, air, the airline industry was also shut down. And so there was a lot of weather data because of that that wasn't getting to the models yeah. uh, and how that was really affecting the, the model output because we just didn't have the, the weather data that a lot of the uh, airline industry provided uh, with what they do. Uh, episode 106 was our first movie commentary episode. You guys remember what the first movie we did? Twister? It was Twister. Good old Twister. And and that's that's also when we started our uh, drinking game for all these movie commentaries we did. <laughs> so everybody have a drink because I just... Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Um, okay, episode 108, Brady. That was your Brady. Brady's What Happens Next <laughs> first segment that we did. We need to do that again. Yeah. 
because uh, that, that was good. Name. That was the first yeah. time we started that. Uh, episode 112 uh, was our first Storm Chaser roundtable with Daniel Shaw. was his second time on. Uh, Hank Shima was his second time on. And Michael Binsky uh, was his second time on the show. So that was really popular, uh, that, that little segment. Uh, 114, we debuted Tracker Chat from the Tornado Trackers. Gabe. So, yep, Gabe Cox and, and their group, uh, they they made little segments for our show that we could make, and that actually led to they started doing their own podcast uh, for a while as well, so, so that was pretty cool. Episode 115, we started our Potty Mouth Forecast segment. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Anybody want to describe what that is? You know? Yeah, it's the one where you're going along listening to it, and you've got to bleep a few things out as they're giving their forecast because the things they say were inappropriate, and yeah. uh, the bleeps are... Or were they? <laughs> yeah, so that, that was Very a, well fun, a fun segment we did where we would just find some meteorologist or storm chaser that was maybe doing an interview. Uh, I remember Josh Morgerman, we did was one, like he was on the Weather Channel, doing an interview and just kind of talking, and then you, you take the audio and you put in bleeps, yeah. As as adjectives to, to make something they were talking about, it sounds like they're just cussing up a storm. Did, didn't we do Cantori when he was on the show? And he was like, uh, we know, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. It, was, it was awesome. He was all about it, though. He was, he was all about it. All right, and then episode 116, um, two things happened here. The first thing was we, we initiated our wasted weather segment. Oh, oh yeah. Remember what wasted weather is? Oh, yeah. Reed was, I'll share this story. So Reed was in one of our wasted weather segments. You don't know that probably. <laughs> um, and so what that is, is it's a segment where, again, we get a clip, an audio clip of a, a weather person or storm chaser, and we slow it down. So it sounds like they're intoxicated. With <laughs> and it's really slow. And, and so we, Reed, we had, we did one for you. And I got some nasty <laughs> comments back of people going, that's not real. Where did you get that? <laughs> like, totally defending you. That was crazy. The other thing that happened, so that was the oh. segment, Brady, if you remember, your Frankenstein moment. Oh, dude, that was bad. So so I, I it was like right at the beginning of the show, and I said something like, hey, this great thing is happening. And Brady goes, Oh, it was, it was like a nonverbal, just like came from like my subconscious. It was bad. It was very uh, bad. It was like a nonverbal groan. It was really bad. Yeah. yeah. So, so that that was that was really funny. We got a kick out of that. That was also we we started our Patreon. That was first seg, uh, first episode. Oh, we had a Patreon yes. crew, so so that was outstanding. Awesome. Episode one eighteen, Doctor Greg Forbes. Ooh, nice. Uh, episode one nineteen. Serena Arnold. Oh, yeah. Yay. Here, here. So Serena was our guest, uh, and then she joined us a couple months later on February 1st, 2021, as a guest. Um, and that was actually the last year we did a holiday shopping episode. So typically we had done in, uh, for Black Friday, we'd kind of done some weather themed gifts and stuff like that. You could buy people. That was kind of the last year we did that because it was a lot of work putting that together. <laughs> uh, episode 122, Stephanie Abrams okay. from the Weather Channel. Episode 126, Josh Morgerman was on. And we also had our Freaks video faves. Uh, was kind of a new segment we started. 
Episode 127 was Janice Dean, her third appearance. Oh, so wow. This episode was her fourth appearance with us. Um, episode 128, now we talked a little bit about this. This was a segment that I, we've done twice. And we did a survey maybe a year ago, and that didn't get a, like, people didn't like that segment. It was called Porn Star or Storm Chaser. Oh. <laughs> and this is Greg's idea. Yeah, that was my idea. Great. Great. And we would play... It was always a. It was typically always a storm chaser. Well, no, oh not, ty- not typically. It was always a storm <laughs> no, chaser. Was the second one we did, it wasn't always. But uh, but you know, some storm chaser just having a storm gasm. Yeah. And then we and the you know the quiz was okay. Was this is this porn movie or is this a storm chaser kind of a thing? And yeah, it was always a storm chaser. <laughs> uh, episode one thirty four. We started our funny weather memes segment, uh, and then episode one thirty seven started which was really popular and i like it because it's very educational but it started our storm training series so this was uh number one we had skip talbot and victor Gensini on uh they were kind of talking about long range forecasting then uh, 138 was part two with reed which was his third time on the show so this is Ooh. number four Ooh, Ooh, well. Almost got your i'm a freak now uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so so reed was talking more like uh, target looking for your target and then part three which is episode 139 uh was hank shima's third time on and rachel Sanner talking about now identifying storm structure and and really what you're looking for uh once crap hits the fan uh, episode 143 was uh, 13 minutes film director and executive producer. Yeah, that was a good one. So the 13 <laughs> yeah, minutes film. Uh, we had them come on. We had an advanced screening to be able to see the film before we talked to them. So that was me. Was that Super Cell? No, no, no 13 minutes. Another, yeah, so it was another Cell independent. Was that, yeah. 13 minutes. Yep. Uh, episode 148, Ginger Z, her, her third time on the show. Uh, 149 was our first time to the National Storm Chaser Summit. So we actually interviewed a bunch of people at the summit, uh, which was that was, that was a lot good. of fun. Yeah. Um, so that was the first time. One fi- so you were there for the second one. Uh, one fifty was Jamie Winterstern. Uh, so he was on to talk about Supercell for the first time. Uh, before it, so this was still it was still about a year out that the film was. Uh, that was Kim Cunningham's last episode with us as well. So she was a co-host with us for a long time. 151 was Jen Carfagno's second time with us. Uh, 153, we had a Chasers Gone Wild new segment. We started, And so you guys have probably seen these storm chasing video games are starting to become more popular. And so what we're doing for that is we basically search YouTube for people playing those games that have no clue what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And they're hitting cows with their chase vehicles and they're, you know, like <laughs> driving straight into tornadoes and stuff like that. So it's just kind of fun to play and see how people are doing weird stuff on there. Um, episode 157 was the last appearance of Porn Star or Storm Chaser. <laughs> Uh, and then 158, Brady, this was one of your favorites, was our first Team Chase Week. Oh, that was great. Oh, yeah. yeah was just, I mean, it was just like, I, I had never been storm chasing. I mean, Dina, had you been storm chasing mm-hmm. before? No. I know Serena, you had, Greg, you had. But it was just, I mean, an unreal experience that I'll remember for the rest of my life. And I never was sold on chasing. I, I mean, I, I, I knew it was going to be great. I didn't know it was going to be that great, right? And it was just like, mm-hmm. the storm structure you see, you know, out there is just, you know, you see, you see, you hear it all the time, but 
it's just a different piece, right? Than Ohio or anywhere really yeah. on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. It's like here. Yeah, like yeah, we, yeah. Yes. It's like Mount Washington, yeah. the observatory coming here. Yeah. You see it all the time, but coming here and experiencing it. Yeah. You guys going to go out again this spring? Uh, yeah. Yes. 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 That's yes. why we wanted yes. to know, Reed. And listen, let's tell everybody uh, who's listening in. Okay. El Nino. Oh, yeah. When is the best Chase Week vacation time this year? I think April, April into May will be the best. Traditional old school season, Southern Plains, Tornado Alley. El Nino, warm NPO. Like so is, is Kansas coming back this year? <laughs> yeah, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, I think is coming okay. back. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. Arkansas. All right, we heard it here. All right, yeah. we'll mark it. Uh, okay, episode 166, we had Ryan Hall uh, was, was on, which was uh, fun to kind of find out a little bit more about his story. Uh, 167, so this was when we were supposed to have uh, someone from Fox Weather. Jason Frazier was actually supposed to be our guest, and because of Hurricane Ian – he had to do some broadcasting, so he couldn't. So we actually did a Hurricane Ian episode, cool. and we spoke with um, – we had uh, Jay Hopgood uh, from Ohio State, uh, professor there, yeah. who's who's a tropical storm expert. He was actually on the show as kind of an expert, but then during that we talked to Brendan Clement and Max Olson, who were on site, and, and they kind of called in uh, on location. We had a, a resident, Scott Sorensen, who was there uh, down in Florida – talk about what was going on and what they experienced. So um, that was Kyle Lawler's uh, favorite episode. Yeah, I think Jay Hopgood holds the record for best lightning round ever. He got all of them right. Did it, he? It was the Hurricane versus Supermodel segment. Oh, yeah. You had, had a name, and if it was a Hurricane or Supermodel, you would basically, you know, yeah, guess you one. got all of them right. that one. So, uh, all right, then we started. So we had our three-part uh, Severe Storm series that was really popular. And then we started a three-part tropical storm training series. Again, very educational. Uh, episode 171 was part one with Brandon Clement and Brett Adair. Uh, part two, the next episode was Jim Cantori and Josh Morgerman. I remember that, yeah. uh, and then part three was with Gabe Cox and Max Olson on kind of uh, video, uh, taking video and photos of tropical storms. And, uh, so, again, that was very popular. We followed it up in episode 174 with Dr. Philip Klotzbach uh, was on the show. And then that episode, we had 13 hashtag weather fools. Oh, oh my God. Were they all share. from you? Yeah, probably. <laughs> 13 weather fools we shared on that episode. Um, 179, Jamie Winterstern came back with actor Johnny Wachter. Oh, that was a good one. Uh, to Because that's when Supercell was released. So this was Thursday night before the premiere on Friday uh, that they were live with us, uh, which was really neat. We had an advanced screening of that movie as well, which is cool. Um, then uh, I'm going to jump to episode 183. You guys remember Adam Skinner? Oh, and yeah. his 3D weather. Oh my god! Uh, weather radar. That was the craziest thing I ever seen. That was my favorite episode for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like just seeing what he was able to, cre- what their team Explain had created. What, so what, what, what they had created, and read if you're not familiar with it, I think this would blow your mind. They're taking the uh, the Doppler radar information and in real time modeling it in sort of using AI mm-hmm. to show you like. You're on this road. That's what you would see in front of you. Wow. And so if there's a tornado on the ground, it 
put a tornado on the ground in front of you. Wow. Yeah, and it was all real time. It was it was like augmented it was reality. Real time. Crazy. It was like radar scope in yeah. 3D with Google Maps. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's working on it right now. Yeah. Um, yes. cool. But yeah, he's working. He's from Canada, so unfortunately, it's I listen. I, I, I have a Canada to, product. For I have to. Right I have now. to say though, how many times during that episode did we all just like stop the yeah. clock and go wait? This is real now. Yeah. Like yeah. it was. It was unbelievable. So I was. That was definitely my favorite. Almost real. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One eighty four uh, was our second chase week. Uh, we called it Clovis again. Oh my god! <laughs> First tornado ever. Right? Did you guys go live? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Dean and I saw our first tornado ever there. So yeah. it was only ten seconds long, but. That's all we needed. That's all we needed. Amazing supercell structure. Oh, holy crap. Uh, then episode 193, I'm going to jump to a couple. Uh, 193 was Brent Beckman. This was Maz and Dina's. Uh, one of their I did. Favorites. I loved him. He was great. So he's a chief met up in uh, South Dakota. Yeah. And so what was great about him? I just liked his honesty. You know, atmospheric science is not an easy uh, course to take. There's so much math, so much science. And for him to say, you know what, it wasn't, I failed once. And, but I, what I loved about him is he got back up and he did it and now he's thriving. And it's just such a great thing for people to understand that you're going to fail sometimes, but if you really want something, keep going. Was he the HVAC to meteorologist yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was in my top three. You know, this year. we all have For those sure, crappy jobs three. before we get to what we want. Yeah. And I just, I just love that he was honest about it, and I just thought he was great. Yeah, we got a lot of feedback like that uh, on that episode. That was good. Brent was great. Um, in November, so uh, November eighteenth of this year, we had our Weather Pods Disaster Relief Telethon. So this was actually put together with some additional weather podcasts that uh, we cooperate with, uh, Weather Brains, Carolina Weather Group, and Chaser Chat. And we put together a 12-hour telethon with uh, guests from all over the place. Uh, Reed gave us gave his time to be on there as well. Uh, but it was like every 15 minutes there was a guest that everyone had heard of in the weather industry before. It was just a great lineup. But the neat thing about it is we raised uh, so far because it's still open and uh, we're going to get some donations from the National Storm Chaser Summit as well. But we've already raised about $8,000 wow. for the American nice. Red Cross nice. uh, for that for disaster relief. So that, that was really neat. Uh, we finished things up. Uh, 196 was our ch uh, Chaser Roundtable 2 with Hank, Daniel, and Mike. Uh, we're back on. And then last our last episode to finish the year was our... Christmas Twister <laughs> movie commentary. So there's a movie called Christmas Twister. Uh, and we actually had the director, Peter Sullivan, on that show. So we watched the whole film and he commented on how they did special effects for it that with so the budget good. they had and all that. And What I loved about that episode, Phil, was that you gave us very explicit instructions. <laughs> no discussing budget or schedule. I didn't yeah. get and yeah, then Sullivan bad. came yeah. in and he started talking about his but crappy budget <laughs> and his crappy <laughs> schedule. That's awesome. Phil, what I also love is That's uh and again a lot of education there. That's one of the fun things we get to do sometimes is with our guests is provide education to people. Yeah. 
and and I, I won't lie, like 200 episodes now, uh, a lot of this has come, I've gotten a lot of this education, right? I mean, I, I'm sure everyone would say the same thing, but I've benefited so much by having people on that, that you know, are experts in the field and doing what they do and what we can learn from that. Uh, I've, it's like taking a college course. I mean, you know, we've been doing this for almost eight years. What I know about weather now and storms that I didn't know when we started this in 2016 uh, is huge, but that's me. And, and I'm the avatar of what I see our public being of people that just want to, they want to learn more about this stuff. And so when we can provide that through our guests and, and our co-hosts and everything else, I, I think that's great. College course with beer, right? Yes. <laughs> and make it fun. Yeah, and make it fun. Yeah, make yeah. It fun. And, and so on that note, so I, I want to finish uh, here with our co-hosts um, because I'm always curious when I want to know, so we're 200 episodes in, this has been the longest running time period in the podcast that we've had the same group of co-hosts. We haven't had a whole lot of turnover, but we've had some turnover, but this is the longest running time with the same co-hosts that we've had, which is just, it's a great, I mean, this is so fun. It's a fun group. I never would have thought that when we started this, I would have been able to build friends over something that you do every other week. Um, but but it's like it's like bowling league, or it's like you know after work on whatever night you go to the bar with your buddies or something. Th- that's what every other Thursday night is for me, yeah. an opportunity to get together with my friends and do something fun. But I want to find out from each of them really what their expectations were <laughs> when when they like said yes, I'll come be a co-host on your show. And, and then kind of how has that maybe changed to where they're at now? Greg, you're right in front of me, so I'll ask you. <laughs> well, when, when I started, when you originally called me, I like Serena had been a guest on the show, and then you called me to, uh, uh, you know, maybe fill in or do a couple episodes. And it was really fun. And, and uh, you know, those first kind of maybe I'm going to say 10 episodes or so, I really didn't have to do anything, <laughs> right? Like you didn't really have to do anything. Phil would provide you all the information. and You got a cool guest to talk to and that was it. And now I'm building a website and I'm uh, doing social media and I'm, you know, driving across the country to go to a, uh, but it's been awesome, Phil. I loved it. I loved every minute of it, and uh, the, you know all of you guys. So yeah, no, it's been it's been great, and hope uh, I'm hoping I'm here for number three hundred. It's it's funny when you talk about your expectation of just coming on for to fill in. When I asked you, it was really just to be be a co-host, like to come on. Yeah. And the fact that your expectation was, I was just asking maybe to stop in for a couple. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's always interesting yeah. to hear. All right, Serena. So you were the one that within the last hundred episodes have actually joined the team. What what were your expectations after being a guest? Yeah, you know, so I was a guest right after I released the weather story, um, and I that got published right at the peak of COVID, which was awesome. Um, for timing of publicity it was the worst. And so you guys had me on to talk about it. And then afterwards, it's like, hey, you know, we think you'd be a good fit for the show. And I remember thinking, yeah, I had a really good time on the show. It was a good fit. This is probably like a good networking thing. You know, I'll give it a shot. I'm sure it'll be fun. What I had no idea is how much I would absolutely grow to love each and every person in this room and how I honest to God consider like everybody a friend. And like our chase week is probably my favorite week out of the entire year. Yes. So to say it's exceeded my expectations would be an understatement. 
felt the same way. All right, Dina, you're up. So, so Dina, she was a guest on episode three. three. Episode wow. three. I remember Phil asked me, and I'm like, and I didn't know that much about podcasts. So, but it was so much fun for me because in my like, decades of weather, I always really spent more time with, say, TV people or maybe government. So chasers were that one niche I was missing. And like all of a sudden, then I start on the podcast and now I'm like meeting all these people and I'm making all kinds of connections. I'm like, this was a whole new world for me that I was missing. And chasers are so much more fun. <laughs> you know, like, and, and I can't, you know, I come from a weather background where, you know, we're serious Mets and everybody's serious all the time. And, you know, you get together with the chasers and we're having beers and we're having fun and we're doing chase weeks and you're like, man, this is the best ever. So it's kind of like that's almost the, like it's both weather. My, my day job and this job is still weather, but it's different sides of it. And then at work, I'm the one who does a lot of pre-work. You know, I have to do weather graphics. I have to be able to explain it. Then I hand it off to somebody else. Here, you do all that. <laughs> and I get to sit here and just have fun. So it's a, it's a huge difference. I love it. The other thing is we were a bunch of dudes before you came. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was but it was fun. Us. You know, it was fun. You guys, like, welcomed me in, and it was a lot of fun. I'm like, this is fun. All right, Brady, you were OG. You were one yeah. of the very yeah, first Brady. from episode one. I don't know if you guys know this, but but so Phil, Phil, um, caught, like, you know, I think with, for most of us had set up, like, kind of rough interviews. Phil called me, like, the day after I went and interviewed at Southwest Airlines and absolutely bombed the interview. <laughs> so much so that afterwards, like, they didn't even say goodbye. And that was like one of my, that was like one of my second. They didn't they didn't follow up email me. They, I didn't even know I had to call them, and they were like, "No, you didn't." <laughs> that was like my second interview ever. Yours was like my third interview ever. I was like a I think sophomore or junior in college, and when you call, I was like, I, I think I put you on hold or something because I was scared. I was just oh. like, I was so nervous, and I'm like, I had to like go write down a bunch of stuff, um, and then you know, so it was it was. And then when you called back and said, I got it, I was like, dude, this is awesome. And I'm like, I'm staying on for as long as I can. And uh, what, seven years later, right? Seven, eight, almost yeah, eight, almost eight, eight years later. Uh, and, and I think what now, like, I just love and, and cherish so much is I'm not in the weather field, right? A lot of you guys are all working in the weather field. What I do is not in that. And that, you know, my passion is weather, right? That's what I love doing. I don't necessarily love, I like what I'm doing right now, but I don't love it. So this this gives me an outlet to live out my passion and with some of the best friends that I have, right? And and if I didn't have this, I don't know what I would do. I would probably like I'd hate I'd probably hate what I do. Like <laughs> I'd be like you know what what did I what am I doing with my life? But this gives me an outlet to be like I'm meeting some of my weather heroes and I'm doing it with some of my best friends. So it's it's really really cool. What what you know this whole group you know mm -hmm. Phil and team have, have built, so. All right, Jan, you're last. Oh my gosh, what's my what story? Was, what, was your, <laughs> what were your expectations, right, when we brought you on? And Oh my God, I just remember it was, like I was one of the early ones too. It was like fall of 2016, Dr. Laura Myers was the, my interview podcast. I was a co-host for that. And 
that was amazing. And then we just continued after that. I did have to take a little bit hiatus. And then I came back. I was like, come back on, Jen. And I don't know. It's exceeded my expectations more than I could ever imagine. Like, I consider all of you family. Like, coming here and seeing everyone, it's just we do this so often. And, you know, it's a blast. And we geek out. We meet amazing people and just, like, read and all the things and you guys. And it's just... I don't know. It's like living your dream every other week. Mm-hmm. And, but the thing is we all genuinely care about each other and we give each other a hard time. We joke around, <laughs> but it's so fun. You know, it's the release every other week. And I don't know, you've truly created something special and Phil, you put your heart and soul into all of this. And so it's, it's really inspiring. Yeah, Phil yeah. does all the hard work. Yeah, Phil he does, does all do the hard work. MJ, MJ does a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just hey, going to say, I'm sorry, MJ. MJ. Yeah. I didn't I forget you, MJ. Um, so cool. I, I appreciate it. It's just always it's always interesting to hear your thoughts on it because, of course, I've got mine and, and what I enjoy about it. But What are yours, Phil? Yeah. Um, well, so, so the again, I don't want to take a whole lot of time on this, um, but... The whole idea of starting this when we did back in 2016, you know, was I, I love the podcast concept, right? Where you could listen to what you want to listen to compared to like talk radio where you tune it in and whatever they're talking about is what you have to listen to, right? And so I like the idea that, okay, you'd be very niche. You can you can decide what you want to listen to. And I thought weather and storms was, was something I was excited and passionate about, right? But I just thought that would be a neat little concept. And I like the idea of let's do something educational. There were very few weather podcasts that were out there at the time. And they were very kind of sciencey and, you know, talked about the science of, of weather, which is fine. I just, that wasn't me. And so the fun thing was, is the first thing I thought of was going to my brother, uh, Mark Johnson, MJ, who's uh, back in the green room right now, helping to run this thing. Uh, he's also a uh, fun weather hobbyist, right? You know, and he he's a Skywarn coordinator for his county in Minnesota, but he's also really good at a lot of technical stuff. And I thought, well, great if if I can get my brother on board, two two big benefits, right? Certainly benefit one is he's got a lot of technical experience. He can help figure out how to make this happen. But number two is my brother. And if it's something I can do that could be fun that I can do to stay in touch with my brother, uh, I thought that was really cool, right? Something that we could do. And he was on board. He's probably, I'm probably putting words in his mouth right now because he's there. Um, uh, but so that was kind of the start. And then it, it you know, it just kind of grew from there. But the funny thing was, because I was talking to Janice about this on her podcast yesterday. Um, you know, I just mentioned this has always been a day by day thing. Like we never went into this going, hey, let's see if we can make it 100 episodes or 200 episodes or here's what we want to do with this thing. For me, it's always probably a little ADD in it, but it's always been just, I want to do something new. How can we make it better? How can we do something new and exciting? And so I'm always looking at, at what can we add? What's something new we can do? Um, uh, uh, how, how can I get more people involved? Whatever it is, that's got to be, there's got to be something for me to be moving towards. Because if it was just the podcast, we weren't doing anything different or better. I kind I'd probably get bored with it too, right? Mm-hmm. But I can tell you right now, we didn't go into this thinking we'd be going 200 episodes, mm-hmm. that we'd be talking to the people we've talked to, that we've been able to do the things we've been able to do with it. Uh, and so it's just still day by day. Okay, what's next? What can we do better? What can we do different? 
that's what it's always going to be for me. And if everybody else is on board, great. Um, I don't know how long that will be, uh, but it's just fun doing, right? It's it's a fun hobby. And like I said earlier, it's it's been a great opportunity to make friends. That's probably the biggest thing I never expected, doing a hobby podcast, right? That, that you would be able to just make as many friends and, and really close friends. So, uh, so that's been good. But I'm done. That just about does it for episode 200 of, uh, of Stormfront Freaks. Thanks for tuning in. Do us a favor. If you like the show, uh, subscribe or, or like it. But the other thing you can really do if you like the show is share it on social media. Uh, just share it. Say, hey, this was a great, cool show. You should check it out. That's just the thing that really helps us out as opposed to these likes and these comments and all the algorithms because I don't know what they are. So just share it with somebody and say you liked it and, and that's the best thing you can do. I do want to find out from our free co-hosts kind of how people can follow you and, and find your content. Greg, I'll start with you. Uh, can you talk about your book? Yeah, Tornado Greg on all social media. And I have a book coming out. Uh, fourth book in in march and it's called camera canada and it's uh, basically focused on my uh uh my photography work and uh teaching photography and uh so that's my thing tornado greg that's on cool. weather chaser or porn star <laughs> <laughs> all right serena yeah on uh, all socials i'm wx serena w-x-c-y-r-e-n-a uh lots on tiktok facebook instagram also twitter from time to time Okay, Dina? I'm LadyPilot70 on Instagram and X, and that's pretty much where I pretty much stay. Brady. At Brady Harris WX. Keep it nice and simple. Right. All right. Jen. Uh, Jennifer Weather on Instagram and TikTok, and at JWatson underscore WX for X. <laughs> well, hey, I do want a big shout out to our guest tonight. So, Jan yes. Dean was a guest. Ray yeah. Timmer, thank you. Uh, Charlie Peachy, thank you very much. Jay Rockwell, thank you as well. Uh, great having you on. So, uh, we go yeah. rematch. Rematch oh my God, Mario Kart. All right, so next episode, for the first time in the studio, we've got the privilege of speaking with legendary TV meteorologist Alan Seals, uh, who nice. spent over two decades with uh, Mobile Alabama's NBC affiliate, and I just found out he is retiring. But he is like just this week or next week or something like that. So uh, we'll be doing it all live Thursday, January 18th, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 o'clock Central. That will be on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search Stormfront Freaks. And the audio podcast, as always, will be available the following weekend. Uh, So here's how how we close. I'm just going to kind of go down the list. But for Charlie, Reed, Jen, Jay, Charlie in the back. Angela, Brady, Dina, Serena, Greg, we got Maz, MJ, Dan, and Garrett in the green room. I'm going to signal the all clear, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. You can watch our bi-weekly show live on youtube.com slash stormfrontfreaks and download the audio version on your favorite podcast player. For links to our Patreon team of exclusive benefits, show notes, past shows, new videos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out our interactive chaser radar from our friends at zoomradar.com. 
you'd like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Search for Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.